0: Out of the 94 Best Picture winners, only one will be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. The episode gets started in just a second. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Quest for the Bestes. It's the podcast from Backlog Banter, where we look at every single Best Picture winner in random order and try to figure out which ones we think is best. But who are we? Well, of course, we're the Backlog Boys. My name is Timo, joined each and every week by Tucker, Tanner, and Abram. And today, we are going under the big top. We're taking a trip to the circus Join us at the circus. We're discussing the movie The Greatest Show on Earth from 1950. Oh, yeah, the song. We're going (laughs) to talk about the the song. song. Uh, The song and much more about this movie directed by Cecil B. DeMille. But before we get there from last time, we joined forces to discuss a film. It was Annie Hall from 1977, and we liked it quite a bit. We gave it an average score of 8.2, which puts it up on the 34th spot on our list. So Woody Allen was given uh, overall. Good remarks from us. Yeah. And now, I will pass- His film was. His, his film, film was. was. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. We enjoyed his performance. That's- There we go. You can yeah. say that. Yeah. Tucker, I do believe you have selected one lucky YouTube commenter to be read aloud on this week's video. No?
1: That is simply untrue because I've actually selected two <laughs> lucky YouTube commenters. We're going crazy <laughs> today, boys. We've selected we have, at least one. We have- If not two. In reality, too. Uh, How this week we have, have we have... been? No, no <laughs> well, woke... I don't think there's any wokeness in either of these guys. Oh, thank uh, God. <laughs> but here we actually have a comment for uh, our Annie Hall review from Ooh. our one of our sons, Dan's, who comments, Never saw Annie Hall, as I am not a Woody Allen fan. There were a couple mm. of his films that were pretty good. I did see all the other nominated films that year, and they were all good, if not memorable, except for that space one. I was pissed that Star Wars was nominated and Close Encounters was not. And pissed again that Hollywood
2: couldn't give the award to some lowly science fantasy.
0: <laughs> <Like>
2: <laughs> <the> dance. <laughs> <Now did> we, <laughs> I just have a general question. Did we get a John Tour comment on that? Because I'm worried for for a, for our young man John Tour eleven. Where has he gone?
1: He's you know he's just he's he's, he's out there in the ether.
2: Uh, we also have a comment from uh, from
1: Bruce Barr who says, "I look forward to your commentary on the greatest show on earth because I'm sure you'll be shocked at how lame it is." That's what our conversation is here today. <laughs> Yes,
0: and so going around the horn real quick. Do you agree with our commenter? Was this movie lame? Yes or no? Lightning round.
3: Lightning round. No. no, I don't think so. I you know this might be a this might be a hot take. Giving my thoughts early, but not really. Like no.
2: Okay, Abram. I think you guys are wrong, and I think this movie sucks. Oh,
3: I see. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here I was worried that we were all going to be in the minority of thinking that this, this movie isn't terrible. But I guess I don't know we, we, we still got to hear what what Timo thinks.
0: This movie has some great train action, uh, and and for that, I can I can give it. <laughs> okay, okay, points. It gets full marks across the board for just a train action sequence. It includes <laughs> includes trains. Check. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> I found myself mildly entertained by the plot, and seeing the circus stuff was kind of cool. But like, I kind of I don't know. It, the circus is is a trope that's been done a lot, and the documentary esque subjects of this film were kind of cool, um, and to see the big production of it was nice. But I found myself being kind of bored during the acts, and kind of wanted to look away, and and then and then I'd be like, oh shit, the romance is back. Okay, cool. Now I'm interested again. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then so, you know. Maybe it could have kept my attention a little better, but, ah, whatever.
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting one because it's a classic example of something that would not win Best Picture in any other era. This yeah. is a spectacle film. It is one that puts butts in seats due to the convergence of the Ringling Circus and Barnum and Bailey combined with the power of Cecil B. DeMille. Holy shit, this is the greatest Great. show on earth. You got you got Charlton in it. you got Jimmy Stewart in it. Everyone go see it. It's going to be the greatest thing you ever seen in your life. And you know, Maybe it was in 1952 when this movie came out, Uh, but it doesn't hold much staying power for the modern viewer because it is a spectacle that we've seen before. Not all of us have been to actual circuses, but we've seen probably more impressive acts on YouTube. We've been to all sorts of other shows like there's no shortage of finding impressive human feats of of engineering and and, uh, athleticism. In our day and age, but seeing something like this, absolutely, I can understand why it won Best Picture. Uh, and it, you can kind of draw a parallel to the Great Ziegfeld, uh, mm. but I actually think this movie succeeds where Great Ziegfeld f- failed because we praised that film for its lavishness, for the the idea of showing this to the masses. But a lot of those song and dance sequences were so drawn out and not that visually entertaining that you know we just. We knocked that film asunder, maybe more than we should have, but I do think that the the down moments of this film are really impressive and highly kinetic circus performances, so I find this film to not be lame, to actually be quite good. I enjoyed myself quite a lot for this extended runtime film because I liked the (coughs) plot of the movie, I liked the characters a lot, and I had a lot of fun with the circus performances.
2: I'll say this. I think that the, moment, the movie has moments of just pure, interesting, kinetic energy. Yeah. Anytime people are up in the air, like, at my palms are really sweating. Because I'm like, somebody is going to fall finally. And then they finally do fall. I go, oh, out yeah. loud, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I think that, that there are moments wherein the sort of realness of the spectacle is quite amazing. But I am talking about minutes in a two and a half hour long <laughs> film. I yeah. think that it is egregiously long. I think that it I think that it has plot because it can't just be like animals parading around for two hours, right? And that's kind of what it is. The amount of scenes that really progress the narrative are like shoved in between long sequences of, and now we're just gonna watch the circus and then we're going to throw it over to some fat dad and his kid going, like, Can you believe what that horse is doing? <laughs> And I just don't think that that structure is especially compelling. And we get, we there, because there are really interesting character ideas. I mean, first of all, if you're going to have Jimmy Stewart in your movie, don't put him in clown makeup for the whole thing. <laughs> I think that's rule number one. But if you're going to do that, unpack his plot a little bit more. There are really interesting seeds here, but they are bogged down in this overly long, in my opinion, visually boring sort of romp at the circus. That is filled with some of the most awful rear projection I've ever seen. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's just, I think the film is so, as you're saying, Tucker, so suited to an audience of its era. But yeah. there is nothing for me as a modern viewer to latch on to here at all, except for, as I'm saying, these couple little moments I can pick out of the mess. But otherwise, I think this movie is, 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 a, is a failure
3: um i'm going to align more closely with tucker here you know maybe it was just you know, we we were both feeling that that circus energy when we were watching this together but i think that abram you have a good point in that uh the the par- when we're just watching a parade for 10 minutes it happens twice in this movie where it's just yes. like and now show the circus parade and look at all these people and funny costumes and boy look at these uh, these animals isn't this entertaining I'm like, okay, blah, 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 let's move on. But of course they don't because that sequence goes on for 10 minutes. But you're right in that the character moments in between are quite compelling. And maybe maybe I'm putting a little bit more stock in those than you are um, because I really appreciated those when they came around. I think at times these circus segments can feed into that story material. I'm thinking of, of of, of course, the Sebastian and... uh, uh, Holly sort of rivalry trapeze act of uh, towards probably,
1: the beginning probably of probably the, the best scene of the movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the,
3: the the one shining example, and I don't ever quite think it gets around to doing that sort of thing again. Oh, may, except of, of course the uh, the elephant thing uh, with Angel and Klaus. Yeah. Um, uh, the story material, I think, it, it is good. I would love to see more of it. Uh, Abram, your point about Jimmy Stewart's plotline being drawn out a little bit more uh, throughout the film is a great point. So, I don't think that The Greatest Show on Earth is lame by any measure. I don't think it's the worst of the best picture winners we've ever seen uh, by any measure. I think it's good, but has distract- it has distracted itself with its own spectacle and, like, one show 1950s audiences sure. the circus. Yeah,
0: here's one thing hey, but- though that I find kind of interesting about if we're gonna you know talk about it being a 50s movie, this is 1952, and mm-hmm. it is takes place like somewhat contemporaneously. It's it like it shows us in color some 50s America that I feel like is very forgotten this early 50s time period. Sure. Um, and so I think that the 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 setting of the film. Provides for a lot of interest there is uh, Just the whole idea of the circus the traveling group of all these people going across the uh, Across the country now. I don't think the plot line is of the circus not making any money is like it is resolved instantly This is a film that uh, I hate to say it But that my parents would enjoy because this film's (laughs) conflicts are like few and far between and they are solved very quickly and seamlessly and instantly, basically. Yeah. And so, w- luckily, they're solved on screen. I think we've had films where they've been solved off screen. But uh-huh. the the story and even the relationships just don't really feel developed enough to keep me interested in. And then, on top of that, we have our, uh, our circus scenes. And these circus nice. scenes... W- even though at at first I was sort of interested in them, they 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 don't like pull me back in after yeah, we've for, seen like for the three amount of, of time them. we've seen them, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so then and then and then I get interested in the story because I'm like, well, I'm watching this movie, and this the, one section of this movie is like really uninteresting, and this other section is a little interesting. Well, I'll pay attention to the stuff that's a little interesting, and so mm-hmm. I found myself being amused by proxy of viewing, not because I was like yeah you know like huh. like ah ha, 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 i'm watching this i i mentioned
3: to tucker while we were watching that it's not the worst movie it's not the worst best, best picture one we've watched but it is certainly the one where you can look at your phone for the longest stretches of time and miss absolutely nothing
1: yeah because there's long periods of time without plot relevance and i do think that I know. that is where the film is at its own greatest strength of obviously this what this is what the effort of this film was catered to this is what the film was yeah. sold on but that's also where it has the least relevance to us because because mm-hmm. even though there are moments of uh dog riding on a dog riding on a horse and I'm like what this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen or you know the they're, they're the, the big guy in the tiny car like these are mm-hmm. these are fun things to watch even though they are just circus acts filmed it is in the it's in the story points and the character points where I connect to this movie most and end up having the most fun with it. But it's also where it's the weakest as a best picture winning, like winning best story, uh, which it did in in that category, best story film. It is, they're not super fleshed out. They're not very thematically interesting, but I think they're really fun. I love the circus cast of characters that we've got here, the dynamics between each of them and watching how that plays into each of these um, circus performance sequences where you'll get the drama played out inside of the acts that they're doing and it really kept me engaged throughout because I didn't know when we were going to cut away to someone and see that the argument that they were having with someone else before or this thing that they were kind of feuding about was going to come up in the middle of something that is tense because they're in the air or because there's thousands of people watching them and it was a it's a way to heighten rather mundane and simple and and cliche drama it's circus drama and there's a love triangle and there's you know, there's like there's women who are gossiping hexagon. and stuff. True, yeah, but that is really heightened when it's put inside the stakes of something that is bombastic and flashy and indulgent, and so it, it's like a synergy that ended up working really well for me.
2: I wanna I wanna stick on the circus point a little bit more about these sequences because it's the movie. So right. we'll talk a bunch about it. But but my feeling is that they are just too formulaic for me to find that interest that you find in them. Because I, I think about them being at their strongest when they do intersect with the plot, as yeah. Tanner was saying. And you gave basically the only examples of that. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, the sort of, um, you know, the... The, the dueling the trapeze act. Yes, yeah. the dueling trap, Or or the, hey, I'm going to make this elephant step on your head if you don't, or, like, marry me or whatever. Uh, third one is when Sebastian tries to do the trapeze trick and then right. falls on the ground.
1: Or the when buttons, like... Uh, S- slips away to like see his mom on the side but he has to like keep entertaining people while he's like having this tender moment with his mother or when uh two of the women are like b- bickering while they're on top of a float and they're like trying to keep up the like waving to the audience but they're like at each other what were they arguing about
3: their- in that scene Love probably.
1: Let's
2: probably oh, probably. Somebody <laughs> has slept with too many men, and that's bad, or oh, whatever. Yes, as they yes, talk yes, about of a course. lot in this movie. <laughs> it's probably my, a great pro- suggestion. My problem, my problem with that is that it becomes very formulaic, wherein those are the exception to the rule, in which they are. It is only here come the animals marching, and now yeah. look at all the Disney characters that are going to walk by. <laughs> or my my the problem I was beginning to address though comes when those beats, for the most part, are brought up in that. Here's how it goes every time the narrative is going to become important to the circus happening. Something's going to go wrong. That's basically the general premise. Something's going to go wrong in an act. Well, what's going to happen? Some Joe Schmo holding onto their hat is going to run and find Brad and say, Hey, Brad, you're not going to believe what's happening right now. And then Brad's going to to go, Whoa, I didn't. And then they're going to run (laughs) back together to go watch it. Every time it's the same thing. Yeah. People have interpersonal conflict. It's going to unfold in the circus. Brad is going to be completely unaware of it. Brad is going to be made aware. Brad is going to be brought to intervene. And because of that, I think it just... The entire movie feels like it's got... It's got one act of its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that does... It's not under- quite centering. Yeah, and I think that does undercut a lot of the sort of fun or tension that could be happening here when I feel like we're seeing the same overarching structural progression to these moments. Yeah. Sure. Timo,
3: thoughts?
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> well, let me compose my thoughts. Right now. Yeah, um, okay. indeed. <laughs> no, I think that the um I think that some of those circus scenes are entertaining and they provide for yeah, the the story beats that you mentioned, Tucker, are are numerous enough, but even though I watched this movie yesterday and I finished it up today, I find myself having little to no idea who ended up with who and who started out with who and who was feuding with who in what part. And, like, all of the, 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 the plot details are essentially lost because they don't have any significance. Like, they... This movie is is not about its meaning. There is like no yeah. meaning in this movie basically besides that it's fun to watch the circus. And and I think that you know That's I do the have, thematic relevance. I do have fun yeah. when I get to watch the dogs riding on the dog on the horse and I see that you know the number of like live lions and leopards and stuff in this movie mm. is like yeah. kind of crazy. And yeah. the the those sequences of filmed circus acts which are Huge productions. I think that that is something to just note is that, I mean, it really, I feel like I want to know some trivia right now, but did they like bring in, they just had the whole ringling bros circus there to perform? Like what Uh, was the deal with uh, the the circus acts and the filming of them?
3: uh, They purchased the rights to basically film on the ringling brothers and uh, the Barnum and Bailey circus for $250,000. I believe, uh, and Cecil B. DeMille also apparently uh, toured around uh, the Midwest tour with the with the circuses to sort of uh, do some do some scouting, uh, I suppose. Um, but also interestingly, and this is something that I that I dug up, uh, it was maybe somewhat of a publicity move, PR move for the Ringling Brother Circus, mm. uh, because if you recall. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille does a number of narration segments over like here's how the circus gets set up and boy look at all these guys They're really dragging that tarp out and they're gonna put it on a bunch of poles and make a big tent, huh? Uh, and in that in that he's he mentions that and it's fireproof so as to protect the people inside uh, apparently only a few years before the Ringling Brothers circus had uh, burned down and killed dozens of people so there, it was sort of a PR move for them. There's to be a, like, there's a bit where it's Brad, safe to come to the circus again.
0: There's, a, there's that bit where Brad, like the bigwig, comes in and the like one of the because there's this other conflict that I just have no absolutely no idea like how is relevant. The the bigwigs and they've got the money and they're trying to do something that derails the circus. Like mm-hmm. Klaus is involved in it too. I don't know what is up. No, he's in, he's involved with like
1: thugs, and they're yeah,
0: like the, they're the, those are the circus is mafia. The, the circus, and... the circus mafia. Okay, the circus mafia.
2: <laughs> this yeah. is actually an interest here's, and this is part of the problem I have with the movie. there's this interesting idea that I was thinking about like Nightmare Alley quite a bit as I was watching yes. this this film, yes. and there's Our this there mm-hmm. yes, and I don't even like that movie. There's there's this refrain um, from Brad that like. I run a clean circus, right? Mm -hmm. And there's the really fun scene, again, wherein Brad has no clue what's happening in a circus. Someone comes to alert him of a problem, and then he runs to go solve it. When he jumps over the counter and beats the shit out of that guy and throws him into a mud puddle... Yeah,
3: just, awesome. just kind
2: of a cartoonish
3: way to deal with like a like a thug or criminal
2: breaks down the entire back
1: of the stall. Oh, Toys no. are going everywhere. There's onlookers that have just
3: so gotten that's their actual hilarious the stuff that this movie provides. I feel, but,
2: but my problem with it is it ends up going nowhere because yeah, then the ma- the presumed mafia leader is like, man, you shut down my shakedown that was getting like like pocket money out of elderly people. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck over your entire circus, but. He, okay, he blows up the train, sure. Yeah. But who is this guy? Yeah. Why did, Why does Brad have this amazing like constitution? <laughs> there have been like this old chummy rivalry as the film ends. Timo, I think you make the the point about conflict is interesting. Because there are great moments of interpersonal conflict, like when we are up in the air, and that's when the movie's at its best. And as the film was beginning, because Tanner, I actually do like the sequences of watching everybody almost documentarily set up the tents and everything. I it was very cool. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, suddenly we're going to have this film about the stresses of making a circus and the people it attracts and the problems that it incurs and all this. But I think you're right, Timo, in that it's not concerned about any of that, really. It's concerned about sort of the spectacle of itself, which even for me is kind of hard to watch because I'm like, I know these animals probably aren't being treated very well, no, so that absolutely makes a, not. That makes yeah, it, you can just see yeah. on
0: the little sticks that they use with the elephant, it's a nice round, they've got a, a short right. little stick, and there's a nice round bit, and then a, groink, a, little, a little hook on the end, of it and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's used to hurt the elephant.
2: And, and they're, like, sanding down the elephant's feet, so they're, like, better for the act, whatever. So it's, like, on on an external level, as somebody in 2022 who loves animals, I don't like watching animals in the circus that much. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, the film does almost feel like circus propaganda. I think I and said that out like, loud uh, yeah, to myself yeah, yeah. at the Certainly in the
0: early was. start parts of the film. I was like, "Hmm, yes."
2: And I think that just derails a lot of the the sort of friction there could be in the narrative with the character moments because there yeah. are a lot of them. But what do they mean? The the I just think this entire plotline about the mafia is just a good example of that.
1: Oh, yeah, that that's, that's what point. I was talking about with this film not w- working up to its standards as a best picture winner. I think outside of the context of this winning best picture of this year and best story of this year, I wouldn't care too much that it's a circus movie and, you know, the plot lines are kind of weak and the mafia guy, you see him three times but then there's a <laughs> train crash and that's, you know, that's a spectacle. I, it, the fact that it won makes you question, like, are they are they really just... Giving this to Cecil B. DeMille because he's a figurehead in the industry and what's the politics of the 50s Oscar ceremony. Um and that's like that's the internal Someone monologue the that I politics have going of the Oscar on. Ceremony. Oh, he's raising his finger. I'm finishing my yes. point, okay, is just that thank you. Uh is just that uh I am able to keep that in the back of my mind, but as a viewer, sit there and along with Tanner and our friend Sam who joined us in the last bit of this film, enjoy so much of the spectacle in those moments that Granted, are drawn out and don't have much plot relevance. They are still so high production value that even when I'm not like honed into the characters, which are the part that I, that so I'm gonna get to, but are the part that I think is the better parts of the film from my perspective. I'm still enjoying a lot watching these crazy things happen, and and me and Tanner pointing at the screen like I can't, I can't believe they just did that. Well, that was yeah. crazy, and like that's that's what they wanted out of the audience, yeah. and for me, it it really did succeed. Mm-hmm.
3: I agree, Tucker. Uh, but to your point about the politics of the nineteen fifty three Academy Awards ceremony, the first the uh, first time it was ever televised. Quick side note. Oh
0: wow. Um. Mm. There was so, a hmm, the, uh, go, interesting thought there about the about a televised award ceremony, and this is the film that wins it a t- very anti TV movie. If you're the spectacle and the the presentation of it oh, in sure, color yeah. and yeah. very. Yeah.
3: Um, but the there is a working theory that perhaps this one, this movie, won by default as the uh, the second option to a uh, High Noon, uh, which was written by uh, Carl Foreman, who had just been blacklisted in the sort of ah. Joseph McCarthy Hollywood Ten uh, uh, anti-communist HUAC trials. Um, So yes, but uh, but of course, you know, that's sort of, um, that's been contested because The Greatest Show on Earth also won three Golden Globe nominations, uh, three major Golden Globe awards that year. So it's it's sort of like a back and forth of like, would the Academy have gone with High Noon if it were not, if it didn't mean that they were allying themselves with sort of like anti-Joseph McCarthy uh, propaganda and, you know, giving best story to a screenwriter who had just been blacklisted. Who's to say, really? But it's just an interesting sort of uh, thing that people, people pointed out.
0: It's yeah. a poignant moment in American film history, the, the early 1950s, with the, the HUAC trials and all that. Yes.
3: Um, I do want to get around to, uh, back to talking about this movie itself, um, more trivia here, but also to the point of us talking about the ways that the, the big spectacle, the big circus spectacle, and the story intersect. Because we, we've mentioned in part uh, in, in passing, I guess the the dueling trapeze acts, um, and I do want to laud the actors in these sequences because Cecil B. DeMille was insistent that they learn how to do these things for real. Largely, obviously, when you have the the wide shot from like down on the ground and looking up, that's not them. That th- mm-hmm. those are stunt doubles. Um, but they do they did have to learn to like do trapeze acts and stuff like that, uh, which is. Unfortunate for uh, Cornell Wilde because he was afraid of heights, um, and uh, yeah, Betty Hutton also. Cecil B. Uh, uh you know, this is a 1950s production. He's like, you gotta slim down, honey. Uh, we can't, we can't put a, a fat woman in this picture. Um, so but they, 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 all the actors did have to get in like circus shape, I guess, to do these like trapeze acts and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's you know, it's that's really impressive that they were really doing these things sometimes
0: and you can tell when they're not because the rear projection makes it painfully obvious
2: (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. can i just say that that rear projection is maybe as awful and distracting
0: as i've ever seen it it's like that we've had like like quality wise worse rear rear projection it was in i was it in some similarly aged movie from the 50s also but it, it only showed up like twice in the whole film and in this film it's like all like any scene possible could be a scene with rear projection in it. Yeah.
1: Because they could just
0: be in front of the tent, they
1: could be in front of the crowd, they could just be like, you know, chilling in the street or whatever, and there'll be insert shots of just terrible rear projection, and then they'll cut out, and they're actually there. In the actual place. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, so so you really had to, like, stitch this film together with uh, terrible green screen with the background. Like, ah. And there are especially moments where really complex things are going on in front of the rear projection and you can see like the edges blurring in weird ways and like someone's wearing like this this veiled dress and yeah. it really doesn't work with the color behind no, no. it. And you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh.
2: <laughs> there's, the, there's the moment when um, his name's like Gaston. Why is that stuck in my head? Sebastian great Sebastian. Sebastian. Great Sebastian. Sebastian. You know you don't have to keep saying
3: the great sebastian. His name is just Sebastian. By the the great way. sebastian. <laughs> when
2: Sebastian returns to uh, the circus yeah. and they go into like Brad's little like circus tent when they're facing like back out that is green screen and you can even see like just like a big triangle of green when they close the curtain and not only is it terrible but it sort of made me wonder like this really closed off small, small, small set that we're filming in feels like a pickup of some variety. Do you know, yeah. Tanner, at all, if the production of this movie was really screwed up? Because this feels like a movie that was made in a lot of different places and just pushed all together.
3: They were, I mean, they were using real Ringling Brothers uh, and Barnum and Bailey's circuses. So as these things were moving around, I'm sure the production also sure. had to. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure that you know that two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. I'm sure that didn't cover all of the production itself. So uh, yeah. you know they probably had to do some pickups on the uh, Paramount set. That's that's who made this one. Yeah,
1: I, I would know. say it's. I, I think it's pretty obvious that that's what happens because you think yeah. about yeah. the idea that Cecil B. DeMille and his crew and a couple of the actors are traveling around with Barnum and Bailey, ringing butters for for a, a year, over a year, whatever it was. And they're mm-hmm. doing as much of their shots on location in front of real crowds and in front of the actual, like, animals in the background as they can. But these people have jobs to do. And yeah. and they, the, the animals have food to eat. And these crowds aren't going to be there forever. And, like, so the fact that it has to be stitched together does kind of make sense for the era and the studio system. And if you're going to just have two actors, like, talking, you don't need to film that with a real thing in the background. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. it's not efficient it's not worth anyone's time to do that unfortunately it does become so obvious that that was how it was made because right. of the rear projection but i do think like logically i'm like yeah it makes sense that they structured it this way but it does make it feel jarring and feel like oh yeah this was filmed in very different places uh when yeah. it when it is that apparent
2: i think it's just yeah. hard to swallow in a film that otherwise spares no expense yeah. like we're gonna yeah. get to the circus but it's just gonna like i think the movie looks like shit a lot of the time Whenever we're I, I watched in... a pretty
0: horrible scan of it. I, yeah. the, the version I saw was not in tra- digitally transferred in high quality at all.
2: Amazon Prime's version is thumbs not, down. I'll say that.
0: I watched it for free on Pluto TV with half an hour of extra ads, so it took oh, me three hours to Pluto watch. TV. Three hours to watch it instead of two and a half because I watched all those freaking ads.
3: I would like to narrow in on uh, on some specifics about this movie. Specifically, specifically, Betty Hutton as Holly. I think she's quite good in this movie.
0: Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah,
3: uh, I obviously, she's given like a written by a man, woman role of the 1950s where she's like, I'm pulled in too many directions. Who should I date? Mm. That's like her whole sort of thing until the very end where she's like, I'm gonna fucking run this goddamn circus, um, and I, I think that sort of determination of her character is present throughout, when she, especially in her rivalry with Sebastian to take control of the center ring, which is what makes that 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 dueling trapeze artist scene so compelling. When they're when Sebastian does a chair, he he like he like sits down on it. She's like, I'm I'll do a handstand on a chair. Who gives a fuck? Um, I think it's I think she's really great, and it really becomes apparent in that train crash scene where she's like, we're going to do a parade. The circus is still going on, but we're going to organize everything. We're going to, I'm going to carry an elephant. And if I have to, God damn it. And we're going to do it because I love Brad. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's where it falls apart a little bit. Cause it's all, in, it's all informed by I'm doing this for the male character, essentially. Um, but I think divorced from that, it's it, she, she does, she turns in a great performance in this. I'll say it.
2: Yeah. yeah I, think, I mean, the physical performance is great, as you were saying, mm-hmm. Tanner. The fact that she was asked to do all that, but I, what you said at the end there, we're going to do the circus for Brad, is what to me yeah. ruins her one like autonomous character moment, and I just think it's really silly to take this character of this uh, like amazing physical performer mm-hmm. and make her this like shallow and petty person who just wants all of the attention or wants to be like wooed by various men. And I just think that that's a, as you're saying, Tanner, a, a signifier of who wrote her. Yeah. And I just think that's very disappoint- disappointing. Disappointing because I think it does undermine a r- otherwise really technically impressive performance.
1: Well, I, I think that she's also interesting on a on a character level because she she is. There are those moments where it's like, oh, written by a male. It's this is for the man. Oh, god dang it! What like. Mm. Eh. You just have to like reconcile that, and and I think maybe maybe it's just a little bit easier for me to like put myself in this mindset and like uh, let that slide a little bit because I do think that that Holly is one of the more is is probably the most interesting character in this film. Sans yeah. button, of course. Uh, See, buttons, please
3: talk about there's more than one sorry, button. Buttons, here. you're right. My yeah. bad. My bad.
1: <laughs> um, because the way that she carries herself and is such a confident force in this film, but does have this like. Ven- she's putting on the veneer of confidence because because when she's off the stage, she is worried about how she's perceived by people and, and wants to be in that center ring because it has been her dream for that long, but doesn't quite know, like, how she can, like, compare up against the Great Sebastian, but then she puts on that overconfidence, like, of course I can, of course I can fight against the Great Sebastian, but it's gonna be the greatest duel ever, and she does. She holds her own, and it's and it's super impressive, but she's a really complex character in the way that she ebbs and flows throughout the movie, and, and I at the drop of the hat, when the scenes call for it, you know, the characters kind of switch and she's, you know, suddenly she's with Sebastian and then she's got to go mm-hmm. back to Brad. But I do yeah. feel like there is this, this tension within the character of being pulled in all these directions of wanting to be strong for the circus and her really enjoying Brad's company and like, and, and having this bond with him, but then feeling this bond with Sebastian because they are both great acrobats and he's the only one that can connect to her on that level and they feel this elation when they're up in the air. And But then she's, her own person as well and she has these this gossip with her friends and bickering with her friends that is is really quite endearing and she's my favorite part of the film because of how much uh um, betty hutton sells this character of these maybe overperformed slightly lines but i get this passion out of her that a lot of an energy and excitement that a lot of uh, actresses lead actresses of this time have to tone down because they gotta be serious, and this is a dramatic movie, and this is a serious role. And but Betty Hutton doesn't have to put on that veneer, and she's just able to like have a giant smile on her face and enjoy her job. And I found that to be like a huge boost of energy to this film whenever mm. she's on screen.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I get what you're saying with that, Tucker. I think that Betty Hutton is the only female character in the film that like has more than one note. <laughs> um, like, every single other one just...
3: Oh, uh, yes, yeah, a- 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 Angel, to that point, Timo, Angel is like, I just want uh, to settle down with a husband. That's yeah. my motivation right in this film.
1: And that's how she ends with Sebastian.
0: Yeah. Yep. Like,
1: a really weird one-off thing that closes yep. both
0: of them. Because every single character arc has to end, I, and all your crimes must be punished, you know, it's a code movie. But, so, I, I, like, I, I hear what you're saying, I just do not, there's, like, even... Even the romances don't have that much interest to me because the film's lack of conflict and like a desire to have a lack of conflict leads our interpersonal relationships to not have that much headbutting. You know, I mean, the headbutting is between Brad and, um... oh, what's Betty Hudson? Well, Brad and yeah. Sebastian, you know, th- those two go at it, but they kind of, you know, okay, boss man. And they just like, one of them just kind of gives in. But the romantic relationships, I don't really feel like develop in a very, like, naturalistic or conceivable way at all. Usually one character goes, like, huh? and then, like, oh, you know, looking at over at some other character now. And then they just, like, and then they're on that. And then there's, like, no explanation given, and there's no real inciting incident other than them declaring it so. Yeah. And so, like, while the romance was what was driving me to keep viewing the movie, I don't have a lot of high regard for it. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand the love
2: triangle. Yeah, it's Be- it's, it's not well explained even though that's no, the core of the movie. Because yeah, there's I, no yeah. there's no competition between the men. Like b- b- we'll talk about Brad who is who's just like Jeremy Renner in the Hurt Locker but for f- hurting elephants in around the circus or whatever. <laughs> He's what really does good that at it. Even mean? He's the it best. means the that at all he can do is he loves the circus. His only love yeah, is the circus. He's true, gotta come yeah. he can't oh, leave the circus. That's actually yeah. a pretty good Just, parallel now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Um but that's all he does. Like he it's so unclear if he's even in a relationship with her. Because it starts with with the on the lips. She's
3: obsessed with him and not really reciprocated.
2: Well, what's weird about it is they have, like, these sort of passionate kiss when they find out they're doing the whole season that I I thought we were immediately establishing theirs and sort of, like, committed a relationship. And then there's even that uh, line from Angel about how, like, Brad is a one-woman guy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't... Ever really give any illustration after that that he's even interested in her, really? Except like maybe like glaring when when Sebastian comes around. So I find myself not only as I as Timo was sort of in disbelief of the progression of of the relationships. I'm still unsure who is even in a relationship, and yeah. I don't really understand how we didn't end up with with Gaston and and. What's her name? Maria. None. Sebastian Sebast- and Holly. <laughs> Holly. Yeah. Like true. I don't. I just. I don't get it. Maybe maybe I doesn't pay enough attention. But hey, I don't hey, listen, get it.
3: My OTP is uh, Sebastian and Holly, obviously, because what's what's really interesting about Sebastian's character in this movie is that before he's introduced, he's like sebastian he's a goddamn womanizer you know he'll, he'll 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 sleep his way through this entire circus twice over you know you gotta watch out for him and then when he gets there he's just like a nice guy like immediately when he's introduced he's like oh holly was promised the center ring well she could have it obviously she, that, that's fine with me and because he've been primed with this you're like He's just doing that so he can, you know, he can he can butter himself up to Holly a little bit. But that never really comes around. And the sh- the sh- other shoe never really drops there. So you're like, "Oh, he must have just been like a genuinely nice dude who d- did fall in love with Holly and is interested in her and is really like doggedly pursuing her." And on the other side of it, you have Brad who's just a dick to her all the time and only cares about the circus. So you're like, "Yeah, Holly and Sebastian should end up together. He
2: loves her, and Brad clearly does not. I will just say, Tanner, I don't think that he's a good person... Mm. I, I don't think am I, am is, I forgetting something here. Well, I, I don't be. think it comes across as very nice and I think the scene that really encapsulates that for me is when he sneaks his way into the trapeze act then catches her and says I'm not letting you go until you kiss oh, me. Oh yeah, that's a Wait, weird. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I again, like the the values of the film are very male written from 1950s. Yeah. And, and also Lule-
3: that's like a like a big right. uh, like heart-swelling moment like oh my god this man cares for her so much. By the way, uh, in that sequence, uh what, what I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the actor's name for Sebastian, um, uh, wild. uh, thank you. Yeah. Cornell wild, uh, tore like some ligaments in his shoulders Jeez. doing that thing. Uh, and, and he ceased to build Cecil, excuse me, Cecil B. DeMille, uh, still made him do two more takes of it.
0: Oh
2: uh. yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't, I guess I just don't agree that he comes across as a very nice guy. Is he better that... than Brad though? Is he better than Brad? Well, well Brad for Holly, only for girl, Holly. He only or, yeah. cares about the fucking elephants. That's not an. He's, he's a, a no. circus
1: man first and foremost. Well, so, I, Sebastian. So okay, my interest of my characters goes Ollie, <laughs> Buttons, as we'll get to Sebastian yeah. and Brad, and also Angel's kind of fun, but you know she's she's yeah. kind of just one note because she's the friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sebastian I think is really interesting and and a super compelling character up until like the last time you see him. Um, because I do actually agree more with Tanner that I feel that that uh, Sebastian does genuinely care. For, uh, for Holly, he's going through the motions that he's set up in the past of, of sleeping around with these women and having these lines that he delivers as we learn from Angel, which I think does make him pretty nuanced in terms of having this history, but ha- having a genuine care for uh, for Holly in the moment when he, you know, breaks his arm and falling down and then comes back three months later and doesn't want to show that his arm is wounded and because he feels like that's his sense of pride and manhood gone, mm-hmm. but then he sticks around and does continue to spend time with him, and they care for each other a lot, and, like, it, this it, relationship is building. I'm like, oh, I really like this dynamic of this confident woman who's ready to lead the circus and be the center ring act, and, and her her sweet boyfriend, who used to be the number one, but is now just, like, has his arm in a sling and is helping her when he can, uh, and, they're like, selling balloons and popcorn in the stands or whatever. But then, he, all of this is happening, you know, he's, he's learning that his hand can get feeling back, and he's running to the back of the train to, like, tell her, uh, and then the cra- the train crash happens and she leads the circus and then he's on the thing with Angel and he's like why don't we get married? I'm like "Yeah," <laughs> I'm like, hold on wait, wait, and I can't tell if that's just a poorly written ending or if it undermines everything that I've had established about this character up mm. until this point, because it's 85, 90, 95% of the movie where I'm like, yeah, I'm really compelled by this relationship, it's a like, will they won't they kind of thing, it ebbs and flows and then hard cut, like Maybe he didn't care, and that really like puts a nail in my toe
3: Tucker, I, I think it is a poorly written thing. I think it is a thing of well, we're a 1950s movie, so our two leads have to end up together. We yeah. can't have our our lead actress settling with the the supporting actor. that just don't mm-hmm. that just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I'm I don't I don't really know if I agree on the the whole feeling the romance between Holly and Sebastian ebbing and flowing and coursing throughout the film. I feel like we are given all of these character tidbits in such small chunks, kind of infrequently that it's hard to remember to keep them all straight throughout the Mm. long runtime of the film. And when we go a long time between, you know, seeing some characters, they can that like idea of progression can slip and it can really feel like we're not seeing much happen with them. And I really feel like it's Holly is with Brad for a while. And then Sebastian's here and ooh la la, he shows his muscles and then you're with him for a while. And then until the end he does show, his muscles and I was saying ooh la la until, Until the end of the movie, after the train crash, in which Holly's like, oh, wait, I've been deceived, or, you know, I, I've made the wrong choice this whole time. I need to be with Brad. And so it's like, we, we just flip-flop. Yeah. And and I don't really feel like there was that questioning in the middle of the film upon hmm. Holly's part. It felt very serious between her and uh, Sebastian, just there together. And then, yeah. and then it's, I, I... we just turn it around here at the end.
3: I'm certainly drawing out the positives of of the uh, of the romance plot lines here. There are obviously the the weird flip flopping that happens constantly throughout it, where I'm like, why is she still like in it for Brad? Brad clearly yeah. does not give two shits. Okay, he just wants to make sure that this circus stays above the board. Okay, he's only out of the black in the black. in the black. He, out, the black. he wants of the to red. keep the circus in the black. And beat up mafia members and throw them in mud puddles. That's the two things that he wants to do.
0: <laughs> let's and talk not about
1: a blood transfusion from Sebastian.
0: Yeah, let's talk about our favorite clown, Jimmy Stewart, is in this movie. <laughs> what What is your guys' take on anything about that?
3: I think he's great. I, I yeah. love Jimmy Stewart. I love Buttons. I think he's got a good plot line, and I wish it was not more of the movie. Yep.
0: I mean,
2: I just can't like. What am I gonna praise? The three scenes he's really in. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's a pretty consistent president. I disagree with that. No, but but like, I don't care about him like like randomly doing stuff in the circus. That doesn't because that, that could be any clown. What mm-hmm. what I'm what I mean is the stuff that's actually about him. Because I agree with yeah. you, Tucker. I think the moment when he sees his mom is quite remarkable, and that's a really interesting. I think this movie has few actually interesting plot ideas. But I think that is definitely one of them. Yeah. This idea that, like, he's transformed himself and then the people who care about him, like, follow him as a sh- like, as shadows behind. I think, I think that's really, really cool. But, like, the film seems uninterested in addressing anything about this plot line to where, yeah, I, I, I you're right, Tucker. On a, on a factual level, he is in a lot of scenes. But in terms of scenes that matter, in terms yeah. of scenes that explain him, in terms of scenes that explain his plot line.
1: Absolutely. Until not... the very end, they are basically maybe two of no. them. Right, one right. Have.
2: <laughs> and then when it's convenient for the film to say so, suddenly everybody knows who he is and he's suddenly this sort of martyr mm. and the sort of implications of like him euthanizing his wife or whatever just like exist in like edgewise dialogue and then he saves... our our main character's life, is arrested and dragged out of the movie. And I just think that that is not interesting. I think it's an amazing concept. I think it's a well-acted concept, but I don't think there's anything
0: interesting about the
2: execution of it in this movie.
0: Hmm. I think it's Mm -hmm. safe to say that we can ignore the parts in which he is, uh, the police elements those would be those are required the film cannot have this character in which they say he's on the run for murder and not punish him at the end it would not have passed the PCA right it would not have gotten out of that so like I think that while yeah I think you're totally right it's lame and it's kind of it sucks as like an ending and it feels unbelievably predictable like I could have I could have written that in my sleep um, <laughs> they maybe you know the, the, to read the character i think you probably have to not include those parts to uh, to get a, a maybe more accurate picture of what was intended or maybe at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the whole film process they thought they set out to create
1: yeah I, I i think that the way that it speeds to catch up to his story at the end is the problem in terms of pacing and balance for me i really wish that that scenes and information about this had been drip, drip fed to us throughout the film but i do think there's enough that he becomes aside from the sebastian and holly dynamic which as i said is, is my favorite part of this movie the one the most interesting conceptually you're right but also somewhat an execution part of this film for me because i do think that while it is severely backgrounded for four fifths you know five sixths of whatever the runtime of this film there's enough things to where like you learn sort of like mm, you know, a quarter of the way through the film, that he never takes off his face paint. And then you you start noticing that throughout the film, that even when he's just, like, hanging out in the back, like, eating breakfast or whatever, he's still got his face paint on. And then there's this thing in the newspaper, and, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. How is this going to play into things later? And there's the, the cops that are asking questions, like, on the periphery. um, And that does build enough intrigue to me, and I do think that Buttons is an interesting enough character to where everyone loves him, but he never takes off his paint, face paint and can't, like build close bonds to people but he's also a really good doctor and everyone like comes to him when they're in need like these character ideas are strong enough for me for that five six to the runtime to where when we get to the end and he knows that the cops are after him and this is like his final moments and he sees the chance to escape and I actually find it a pretty compelling turn of character that shows his genuine care for the circus and the bond that he's built to these people to give up his life and know that he's inevitably going to jail to save Brad life for the good of the circus and and perform this transfusion in the presence of the men who are going to capture him it is a I think a a much better written yes for the times he has to pay for his crimes (laughs) that's actually a really well realized way in my opinion to end this character arc of a guy who does have selflessness but has been hiding this dark secret and ends up sacrificing himself for the good of the circus in the end
3: Tucker, I believe that's a very that's a good and gracious reading uh, of Thank his plotline because uh, I I think that all I think that all the signs that you that you brought up are there. I uh, you've may, you've maybe done some work of uh, some extra work of interconnecting them more than the film actually goes about doing. Sure. Um. So because to be honest, yeah, I, I
1: didn't feel like it was difficult to do that. Like those are just yeah. like the natural yeah, ways yeah, yeah, yeah. things connect in my mind.
3: Yeah. Exactly. And I I and I don't disagree for certain. Um, but like I said, and like we like we can all admit, the story is not a large presence of the film. It, of it, the film is not extremely concerned with building out these things in in, in a way that forefront the, that reading for mm-hmm. certain. Um, and when I said that I love buttons, what I or that I love him when when Abram brought this up, I meant that I love Jimmy Stewart obviously yeah. i mean Jim, jimmy stewart is one of the all-timers of course and he and he's great in this role and i wish that that story was given more time to develop and and maybe you know come to its full fruition and yeah. uh the, the intrigue thing that tucker brought up um i as soon as it was like he went up to his his mom and she's like the, those men have been around and they've been asking questions again I'm like okay he's on the run from the law and that's why he wears the face paint all the time got yeah. it, it was, and then we were great that, idea yeah, well, yeah, fair point. And then you know we learn the murder that he did. I'm like, oh, he euthanized his wife. That's more interesting than this movie has allocated time for this story. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, he, and then obviously, yeah, he does you know, like give up his own freedom to save Brad and subsequently save the circus, and that's compelling. So yes, Tucker, I agree. And that's it. I agree. Sure.
2: <laughs> I I just think that and and Timo, you're totally right. It had to end that way. But it's like, I feel like all the information is delivered in the most lazy way you could possibly deliver all this information. In the sense that, that scene with his mother is really great, but it spells out basically as clear as day as Tenor is saying exactly what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the information, including the actual crime, including the actual really intimate personal details of it, are handed on a piece of paper to the main character. You know what I mean? And then even when he gets arrested... My problem with it is that they're just, like, hanging around and chatting. And then he's like, yep, yeah, okay, time to go. You, you take my dog, we're out of here. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, he's being, he's being cute for the kids. I get it. But I'm like, this is so simple. Like, writing this simple and this just, like, fact. Read the fact on the paper. Understand the narrative. Understand the narrative. It's uh-huh. just not interesting to me as an audience member. Because it's a character, as you're saying, predicated on intrigue. But it mm-hmm. feels like at every step it, it takes away its own intrigue so you understand what the character is going to do. Yeah. yeah. And I do I think mean, that's yeah.
1: a side effect of this being a Orr Family's <laughs> movie. Yeah. Everyone, come get your kids, sit in the seats, get your popcorn, watch the circus. And, bring and... your
3: young bring your young Steven Spielbergs to come see this movie. That's what we're that's what we're doing. Come <laughs> <Young laughs> Sammy
1: Faylman. <laughs> yeah, uh, well
3: that that is true. I, I as I dug up in the in the trivia for this, this is the uh the first movie that Steven Spielberg ever saw.
0: Whoa. Wow. This, yeah. this is
3: the one that inspired him to make movies. He was six years old when he saw this movie and They 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 uh, will subsequently show that in the upcoming film The Fablemans, which we will no doubt be talking about on the Quest for the Best. No No chance,
0: not (laughs) nominated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, my last my last point about Jimmy Stewart is that he's given one like pretty great scene where he is able to unleash the uh, Jimmy Stewart outdoor voice acting mode. You know what it sounds like. (laughs) Where it
3: was really fun. It was really fun for. because I didn't recognize him initially, um, but, I didn't either. Was like, yeah, that that's a that there's a famous person in this movie, and one of them is the clown. And I was trying to figure it out, and then we got to the, the the his first like long bit of dialogue, and as soon as he started talking, I'm like, "That's Jimmy Stewart." That's Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. That's, it that's sounds Jimmy
0: so Stewart. much like him. Yeah. Oh, I think actually, I his clown cars. The the clown car bit hilarious. Hilarious actually. That's as shit. funny. That was so yeah.
1: funny. Well, yeah. What what I was gonna say is that what makes this film and his performance in this film so interesting in a filmography that I've seen probably a dozen films from is that this is the first time I've really seen him give a physical performance. Like he's doing these big clown emotions and, and handing the balloon to the guy and jumping on the trampoline with his knees Mm -hmm. above his head. And like, that's Mm -hmm. a sense of physicality that I've, never really gotten from him because he's always a more res- reserved guy and then you know he's, he's yeah he's, uh. he's get- delivering his odd G's and he's wearing a tweed jacket or whatever it is but he's a well, he's a he's but a serious guy in these ladder. other ones but this is so on the other side that it just really shows his range and it, yeah. it's it's a not an all-timer performance from him because he's got a number of those that are like mm-hmm. my favorite performances of all time but this is a great like it's like, it's like you get his performances and you tie a balloon to him. And it's like, oh, up there, he was Buttons that one time. <laughs> Remember when he was that, that clown who the, murdered his
0: wife? The murderous <laughs> clown. This oh. is,
1: this is his
3: suicide squad. This is his suicide squad. <laughs> you know, he, do, I, I was, I, there's a number of times of like, there's probably some Jimmy Stewart Joker jokes that I could make, but we'll see. Uh. I did want to bring up one last thing. Uh, the last character that we've neglected to talk about in detail, and uh, there's not a whole lot to de- of detail to talk about him with. I think this won't be very long. Uh, Charlton Heston as Brad. Yeah.
0: It's Charlton he's, Heston.
3: He's fine. It was a. It, this was apparently interestingly an early performance for Charlton Heston. He only he had only been in like four movies before this, and uh, apparently I'm gonna recount this to you because this is very interesting. Uh, and just shows how easy Walt it was does for white dudes back in Hollywood. The bat, white dudes back in 1950s Hollywood had it so easy. And this is how easy it was to be, to be cast in a Best Picture winning film. Charlton Heston was driving through the Paramount Pictures lot when he spotted Cecil B. DeMille, whom he had never met. Heston waved. DeMille was so impressed by Heston's wave that he made inquiries that ultimately led to Heston being cast as Brad in this film. This was only Heston's third film and skyrocketed him to fame. One fan wrote a letter to DeMille on how much she enjoyed the movie and commented, quote, and I'm surprised how well the circus manager worked with the real actors. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> he went. and Heston, Heston he took he that just... as a compliment, apparently. He said it was the greatest compliment uh, that he'd ever received in his entire career. I take that as... He's so baseline and boring as compared to the people who seem to be turning in real performances.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's very good in the movie. Like, No. He doesn't do anything. He's got no mannerisms or real any, or really any bravado for him to latch onto. Other than when he's given moments where he has no choice but to embody some variety of charisma, punching that guy through him into the mud puddle. That's mm-hmm. the only time he stands out, but it's because he had to do something. There's yeah. not a moment when I'm watching him on screen, just like delivering dialogue, and be like, "Well, there's our main man." Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because I just don't see him as the main man. He is headlining, and we do like mm-hmm. follow just him for like the first uh, six minutes of the film or whatever. Um, but it is Buttons and Holly and the great Sebastian that I'm like, those are our main characters. Oh there's this guy, there's this bumping along Brad here who's in the back counting money, making sure we stay in the black. And I'm like, yeah. I don't care about you. Charlton Henson, you know, he we didn't like him that much in Ben Hur, but he was a lot better in no. Ben Hur. Yeah, that was yeah, my he, one. He's a, he's a
3: lot better in Ben Hur. He's a lot better in Ben Hur, but he's not even the best performance in that movie. No, he's it's not. His, yeah, uh, and yes, Timo, as, as Timo was uh, about to point out before, uh, before we started talking about the other bits of that that story, he just waved at Cecil B. DeMille and got the part in the oh. movie. <laughs> oh boy! All
0: oh right. Hollywood! Oh Hollywood! Yeah. What can you Anything say? Anything else to add?
3: On the greatest show on earth, folks.
0: That ending monologue really felt like they were talking about the movies. I really felt like it was not about the circus and it was about the cinema. Mm-hmm.
1: It
3: all and ties together. They're, the they're one and the same. They're one and the same this time. Oh, hang on. <gasps> Hold on. Rewind it. Stop <gasps> the presses. Drivia we alert. We got to bring up Drivia the wins and alert. noms. Oh, the winds and noms. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, so. quickly.
0: Give us them and then we'll score it.
3: Obviously, this won Best Picture. Uh, it also won Best Story, as Tucker pointed out beforehand. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille was nominated for Best Director. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Costume Design
0: and Best Film Editing. Huh. Costumes I can get because it had oh yeah quite a lot yeah. of costumes, quite a lot.
1: Well, yeah, that's interesting though. And, and, and like, same with like the production design of this movie. I find it hard to praise the film, even though it is looks vi- visually impressive. They, they didn't design any of Green this. No, they, they, th- they just used the a circus. regular circus. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so like even though like I as a viewer am really appreciating being shown this and it adds to my visual experience, I wouldn't give it award nominations for these things because there wasn't the the pe- people being nominated for these awards presumably weren't the people who made did the majority of the work to make the spectacle that you're looking at.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't even think the costumes are worthy of praise. D- they gave Jimmy Stewart the wrong size shoes. <laughs> that's
1: a great point. And all those feathers. <laughs> Too many feathers.
2: That's a good, that's a good one, Abram.
1: That's
3: a, that's a good one. Personally, I felt that this film was lacking uh, one of those metal balls that have a bunch of dirt bikes driving around inside Oh, them. yeah. Where's those? the metal
0: ball with the dirt bikes? <laughs> Where's the dirt bike
3: ball? That's what I'm they, asking. They hadn't invented dirt bikes. Put Jimmy Stewart on one of those babies.
0: They hadn't
2: invented dirt bikes in 1952, Tanner. That's why Place Beyond the Pines is a better movie than this. Well, we'll find
3: out shortly. We'll, yeah. Won't we? yeah, punch we're in a, punch in a score, and you'll have yeah.
0: a metric to measure it by. Abram. Let, yes, let me just is.
2: say quickly: I thought
0: the whole train sequence was very silly. Oh um, yeah, yeah the train, oh, we, didn't, movie, we
3: hardly uh, talked about the train. Did, um, I, get,
0: I said it's great train action; it's all model train action except for the one at the mm. beginning. Um, so, wish they could have spent money and had a real train for those exterior shots. <laughs> like the yeah. crash, I understand; you got to do that in models. But like, yeah, you can't the part where it's together. just like driving yes yes and you have the well, same just
1: like for coherency i don't know but like I, know. I, I do think that that was the thing that really cinched this movie to me as something really special in terms of its spectacle is yes that's a model train but then they transition into one of the most complex and crazy sets i've ever seen where there's monkeys flying out of cages and a live lion on set and people are on the ground bleeding out and everyone's like holy shit what's happening people are yeah, hauling lumber and an elephants walking by i'm like I don't even know how you orchestrate this and that. Like that is the example of Cecil B. DeMille being the master of spectacle in this time with movies like Cleopatra and the Ten Commandments and these big movies that doesn't get a huge chance to shine throughout this. Although I'm sure he did, you know, help design some of the ways that like extras would go on in the background and stuff like that. But this that's like the set of this movie is this train wreck and and watching people yell commands like it's a it's an invigorating sequence, especially when. You get the really fun uh, payoff of they're all marching into town and they've got the audience with them and they're hurrying to set everything up. Like, I think that's it's the storylines that we're talking about are not tied up by this being so interesting of an an exciting ending, but it's such an interesting, exciting ending that we're just sitting on the couch pointing, like, holy crap, they did that.
2: And we're having so much fun with it. I just think for me, at, at a certain point, it's like, There's this amazing moment of like, oh, the animals are going to fuck them up because the animals aren't being tamed right now. But then like, go put the animals back in the cages and all the animals just walk back into the cages. (laughs) I I think it does a lot to pretty quickly undo its own like sense of peril. Mm -hmm. But I did like the part when the elephant lifted the thing off of Brad. That's good. I I like that that part. That's probably my favorite part of the entire movie.
3: You know, Abram, I wish it were as simple as just putting the animals back in the cages. And I'm sure the people filming this uh felt the same way because thank you for bringing up the train crash because it does I do have one last piece of trivia where they did really let live animals loose on the on the Paramount Stage 16 good while they were God. filming this. What? Uh and the Who biggest thought that problem, was a good idea. The biggest problem was when they let a bunch of monkeys loose. Yeah, and That monkeys, was a crazy shot. The monkeys just got out. Uh, and, and they, <laughs> on they the were, they, they were, apparently invaded the neighboring Hollywood Cemetery next to the Paramount lot.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> now a bunch that of monkeys. is a Hollywood story.
3: Yes, yes, it is.
1: Uh, yeah, I will.
2: I like the shot where the
1: guy's just carrying a lion, like
2: just like yeah. straight up like yeah. a
1: full grown lion. <laughs>
2: yeah. I will just say I would have loved this movie if the animals had gotten out and just killed all the people. Because, again, yes. fuck the circus for like, what they do to animals. Fuck the circus. Like, That's my... Yeah. yeah well,
3: uh yeah. Uh Yeah. I, I did also dig up that apparently th- both Ringling Brothers and Bartman Bailey Circus uh, have shut down uh, since. They it yes. shut down recently, like in 2017, I think. Mm. So,
0: yeah. They made the greatest you, you...
1: show, Man.
3: <laughs> very that true. Movie. Yes, very true.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Type yeah. your scores in. Let's find out what we give this movie. I'm ready. I know what I give it.
3: Yeah, I try. have my score in there.
0: Let's find gonna out. This, this is going to be a divisive one, boys. What it is. Yeah, it is. In three, two, one. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, that four-point spread. Oh, daddy. <laughs> Tucker has said it. Our average score, 5.2, the point breakdown. Starting from the top, Tucker gave it a 7.2, followed by Tanner's 6.2, followed by Abrams' 3.8, and then me at the bottom was a 3.5. I was contemplating yep. giving this movie in a twos, but I thought that there were some redeeming qualities, like the model trains. Um, like 5.2, let's see where that goes. We're going to have to compare this to how green was my valley. What do we say? Hmm. Easy above.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I'd also go above uh, because... Here, I'm gonna Wait, ca- this, I'm gonna like this movie,
0: this. this here movie,
3: yes. above how green earth.
0: was my valley?
1: Yeah,
3: better than How Green Was My Valley. Who votes for that? Because, because uh, I'm gonna connect this to the monkey story that that I just read. It's a mess, but boy, howdy, is it fun! You know, yeah, you know, it, it is sloppy from a story perspective, of course, as as we brought up numerous times. But this love triangle is pretty entertaining to me. I love to see those trapeze acts. I love to see when that lady... Well, I don't love to see it, but when when the elephant... When Klaus is like, Yeah, I'm gonna crush your head with an elephant's foot. Blah, blah, blah. Because I'm an evil guy. Uh, and then the train wreck, of course. It's a long movie. It's too long for its own good. But I think it has enough fun sprinkled throughout it to make it worth its while for me.
0: Abram, what do you say? I say below... Because how green was my valley has a plot. <laughs> you know, well, you know, uh, I would agree with Abram, but for the sake of closing this one out, I think I will. Uh, I think uh, I'll I'll allow how allow um, the greatest, greatest show on earth. on earth to go above how green was my valley. These are both two movies with long yeah. titles. Yes, um, you should never have a sentence <clears throat> as your as your movie title. <laughs> I, I unless I you're think going Tanner, like Whole Hong like you Borat do make or Doctor Strange Love tanner makes a good point that it is an entertaining movie to watch and i i remember how green was my valley being a little bit thought-provoking and enraging at times a little bit but i find that yeah the spectacle does work for this for the most part i mean yeah the circus is a big deal and you get to see it moving around and so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Really.
1: i think for for me uh, just to, to give my full closing thoughts here uh what this film really showed to me and and Sort of hearing about it in conversation. I watch, I watched like basically every review of this on YouTube, which there's not that many. And ours will obviously be the longest and most comprehensive. Based, yeah. Let's, um, let's go. Uh, yeah. Is is that people think this is the worst best pitch order? Uh, and and for me, I really I can't reconcile that personally because I just think there's different kinds of movies with different goals in mind and when we're watching most of our best picture winners it is about those themes it's about it's about relevance and acting and characters and these are things that I love in our in our top movies this is not a top movie but I think it really succeeds where it put its effort is in that spectacle and me going along for this ride and even though it is too long I don't actually think it dragged I had a really fun time watching this movie all the way through and when it comes to the moments that aren't story relevant, but are just circus performances, I thought those were great. And then we'd cut back to these characters. I'm like, oh, wait, those are great. And then the two would intermesh. I'm like, oh, wait, that's awesome. And then the recent spectrum, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm loving this.
0: And oh, man, I can't believe they did that. And Hucker, maybe you I'm would just have this- loved being alive. For the studio system. Because every single, you would have just gotten to go see movies like this every week. And there would have been a bajillion no, of them. <laughs> and it's all, you couldn't even watch and now, TV. And now I do. And it's the Marvel movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but but I do think that where this movie shines, it shines really brightly for me. And maybe I'm just able to, like, simple-mindedly put myself back into the shoes of someone from
0: 1952. You're like that, that guy that with was the eyes like,
3: it's Mickey Mouse, it's Mickey Mouse. You know what
0: you are, Tucker? <laughs> I'll tell you what you are. You're circus-pilled. Thank you. Oh, I am. He is
3: hardcore circus pills.
1: And, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Well, no, don't be too t- proud of
0: it.
3: <laughs> Tucker <laughs> as, just got as it. Brought up, Horrible <laughs> animal abuse prevalent in the circuses and no doubt
2: on this film. Tucker just got, gets to like a movie other people don't like. You, you'll t- you, you give Tucker a truth hailing book. Like, I hate the movie. I hate the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I so can pills. without a doubt say that it's better than our lowest film, Crash. Yeah. Oh, God! That is true. God
3: and It's crazy to me that 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 you know people are of uh, that that's not widely recognized as the worst. It, it is, of course, but it's really like a tie between these two, it seems for you know people I think, think that ridiculous. one of these two is the worst. And, uh, you know, I feel like there's a there's a, a wide
0: range of quality between these two films. This one, I, they only talk about doing blackface in this movie. I don't think they actually true. do it. That's true.
1: Oh, yeah, it's a surprisingly low number of, like, racial stereotype things. Like, they'll have people, like, in heavy air quotes here, oriental costumes. Uh, and, and, you know, playing, you know, oriental music. But I'm like, whew, at least they're not in yellow face, you know? Mm. Low bar to clear, but they cleared it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in the business of, praise, of praising this movie for doing that,
0: quite <laughs> frankly. He easily could have, though. I yeah. want to find out something from yeah. uh, what might be our very own version of a circus attraction.
3: Oh, I The see. Wheel of Destiny. Let's oh, head on over to the big maybe. top, shall we, fellas?
0: Someone get, <laughs> someone get on their, their keys on the calliope, their fingers on the calliope keys. Oh,
1: hello. And It kind of looks like a circus tent from above.
3: Exactly. Yeah. All right. Spin that wheel. Bye bye. boy. Wheel, wheel, what's your deal? Give us a movie that makes us squeal. Is it on digital? Is it on real? Wheel, wheel,
0: what's your deal? And the number Ooh. is number one. So that's the most Numero recent uno. movie on our list. I think that I really could one. mean anything. All that you quest intuition. heads really will know what, um, what movie we haven't seen. That is the most recent one. Tucker, it's true. you're the chief quest head among us. What is I the have. next movie? I think I
1: got movie? it. I all right. All right, You proud yourself, Tanner. Uh, the the movie that we're we'll be watching uh, within the coming weeks for a review on questions of the is I'm really trying this out as long as I can. Is the 2008 mm-hmm. Best Picture winner, starring Dev Patel and directed by Danny Boyle. We will be watching *Slumdog Millionaire*.
0: I've always wanted to watch this movie. I've never, this I've, movie. I've never sat down and <laughs> watched it, but I've. Um... It's been in my. It's been in the brain zone of uh, mine t- I got it
3: wrong. for years. I, got, I did get it wrong. I thought this was, I thought it was Million <laughs> you know Dollar Baby*. Oh, I thought we had I thought Million Dollar Baby* was was the most was the newest one, but no. Uh, *Slumdog Millionaire*. Never seen it before. Excited to watch it. Yeah,
0: there was a poster of *Slumdog Millionaire* in my high school film classroom, and I yes, looked at was. that thing every day for four years and thought I should watch this movie, and I never did. And now yeah. I have the chance.
1: The poster. I'm looking at the Letterbox poster right now. Uh, it's. I, well, isn't oh, it just like it, it's like Dev
3: Patel running inside of a larger like silhouetted Dev Patel head? No, right? no,
1: there's there's a woman running in, in the front, uh, and then there's like blurs of color in front, and then yeah, yeah there's like familiar and, like grunge font, like saw font at the bottom. What the hell? <laughs> saw font? Yeah.
3: Okay, You're right. Danny Boyle. it's that's what it looks like. <laughs> it's
0: 2008. Oh, you can't blame them. It was it but was what the time of, font of the grunge is that font. on that poster,
3: by the way. <laughs> it is a sans serif font, generally. It is a sans serif. Oh my god. Anywho, thank you
0: guys for joining me to discuss this. uh, I was gonna say it's a circuitous review, but that's a pun that doesn't even make any sense because circus and circuitous (sighs) are two totally different words with entirely different meanings. Yes, the circus movie. We we talked about it. Um, You know, I I didn't waste those so that's okay. Hermes Hippodrome. This really
3: was. The greatest show on Earth.
0: The greatest quest episode ever, finishing up right here. Next time, we'll talk about Slumdog Millionaire. I'm excited for it. Until then, peace.